Hi, I'm Chelsea. And I'm Chris. And we are first-time parents. We are a mid-20s couple living on the east side of Seattle in Washington State. Our baby was born in the spring of 2020, and we are learning how to become parents while continuing our lives of outdoor adventure and home renovations. So come listen to our journey as we learn how to adapt parenting into our lives. Welcome to the show. This is Chelsea and Chris, and we're going to talk about being first-time parents as our first baby is due pretty soon now. So we thought we'd start a podcast to talk about all the adventures of becoming a first-time parent and how we are learning to do that. So Chelsea is 37 weeks pregnant right now, today actually. Our baby is inhaling, exhaling, gripping, blinking, and more. They're gaining about half an ounce per day. Seems pretty crazy. They're getting really big already. And they're not even here yet. <clears throat> so, uh, in America, 37 weeks is considered full term. So, technically, if they were born any time now, <clears throat> they would be, like, not a preemie. They'd be a full-term baby, which is kind of cool. It's, like, nice and comforting to eliminate any worry in that category. And... Yeah, we're just kind of waiting for them to come now. But uh, in the meantime, I figure we'll get a little bit more parenting preparation in. So we're um, planning on having our baby born at a birth center, which actually works out well um, for the time that we're in right now, because this is during all the corona madness. And so probably the best place to avoid at this time would be the hospital. So, Seriously. Um, that was one thing that I was really happy about in particular about choosing the birth center ahead of time, you know, was that now we hopefully if everything goes well, we'll be able to avoid the hospital. So that's really nice. Um, yeah. But uh, so our birth center is about 20, 25 minutes away from our house. Now it was closer to where we used to live. Um, but it's actually like right next door to our major hospital in our area. So if anything were to go wrong, then, you know, we're just a, a skip down the road. But, um, yeah, we're thinking that everything is going to go great, you know, positive attitude. So that's the way we're going with it. Sounds good. So as, like, first-time parents, most people would go to birthing classes or breastfeeding classes or just something to, like, prepare. But we actually chose not to go to any of them uh, after we found out we were pregnant. And I guess we're going to talk about a little bit about why we think that. So generally, I do a ton of research. We both do on whatever new topic that we want to learn about. So if we're trying out something new, whether it's a hobby or we, we've moved to new areas or starting different chapters in life, we generally just research a lot instead of um, going to classes and paying to learn for those things. So we did the same thing with this. Uh, we thought about the birthing classes. We looked into what was available in our area and we kind of thought that it just wasn't the best route for us. Um, we kind of didn't want to make the commitment to go to this class every week or, you know, have to be in this certain place at a certain time because we do lead pretty busy lives. So we have done a ton of research uh, about just 
having the baby and what to do while you're pregnant and preparing and then parenting afterwards. Yeah, we did um, one class. I believe it's called uh, Will I Ever Sleep Again? Oh, it's Taking Care of Babies. Right. Her, It's one of her classes, the <laughs> newborn one. Um, so, you know, and that's about like setting your baby up with a schedule. You know, they wake up, they need to eat. Then they have an awake time that's, you know, typically somewhere around two hours. You know, obviously they need to be changed somewhere in there and then they need to sleep again. And so that was actually a really helpful class that was all online and it went in depth into like how to swaddle them properly, some troubleshooting for why, you know, they might be crying or why they're having trouble falling asleep, you know, different, um, different methods that you can take to, you know, try to soothe them back to sleep. So I thought that that was a really great class. That was well worth the money. Um, and the most convenient part about it was that it was online. So, you know, we got to do it from the comfort of our home. Um, but other than that, I think that's pretty much it. So like Chelsea said, we ended up doing a lot of, you know, YouTube videos and um, talking to to people, you know, through experience, just you know, them tell us, you know, what they think. And the um, doula and the midwives too. We are using both of them. Right. And so our, our doula came over and she has this, you know, like little play pretend baby. And she told us how to, you know, change a diaper and well, mainly me, cause I've never done that before. Um, but you know, so it was, it was very good. You know, I, I feel like we're, we're well prepared at this point. I feel confident in saying that. Um, yeah, I think we're prepared for like the first section of time in their lives, like the first couple months, mean, like meaning materials that we have and practices that we've learned. I feel like parenting is one of those things where you have to learn along the way, or at least that's how it seems right now, because there's just so much to it that you can't really plan in advance every time we talk about, oh, like what would we do in this scenario? It's so hard to decide this early on. Like, I don't even know how I would react in certain scenarios. So definitely just going one step at a time. So only focusing on newborn and how we will handle that. Yeah, definitely. So um, why don't you talk a little bit about the the movements that you've been feeling? Oh, yeah. So like, <clears throat> baby's moving a ton, which is cool because that's like a really good sign. And... Yeah, they just seem to still do like big body rolls, which is somewhat uncommon at this stage. A lot of people just say that they feel like jabs in their ribs and like painful ways. So luckily, nothing our baby has done has ever been painful, in my opinion. It's just kind of like funky movements, like sometimes it's uncomfortable. But usually it's just like exciting to know that they're in there like shifting around, moving their joints, like getting stronger and bigger. So that's been like really exciting to just feel the comfort of them moving every day. Surprisingly though, um, we tried seeing if, you know, holding a flashlight up to Chelsea's stomach would, you know, stimulate the baby to start moving and they haven't reacted to light yet. So I thought that was kind of yeah, interesting. Yeah. Cause we've heard a lot that some babies do, but not ours yet. But they do like to play the game where if you like push like on push the stomach back. a little bit, then like a, a second or two later, they'll like push back. So sometimes that's fun. 
you know, you get to, yeah, to feel them that's pushing That's probably like the you. most reaction we've gotten yeah. to things. Or loud noises, like certain <laughs> noises just in regular life will scare them sometimes. So they'll like have little jumps from that. So it's like, it's good to know in a way that they're reacting to stimulus around me. But, you know, you also feel bad if you scare them with a noise. Yeah, definitely. So something else uh, we've done in the pregnancy portion is uh, early colostrum collection. So basically it's, you know, a lot of women have their boobs like early anyway. And you figure, well, colostrum is super high nutrient rich material. So we should just collect it. And then if your baby needs extra nutrition, if you're having trouble with your milk supply or if they um, have any type of illness in like about the first year, you can use the colostrum that you held on to and froze during pregnancy and give it to them as extra calories and antioxidants. And it just has a ton of really good nutrition to help their immune system uh, and their gut biome and everything like that just start getting developed and get stronger faster. So I've collected a few times and just have it frozen in the freezer in like little containers or syringes. And then we can defrost it and give it to them if we want to. But our doula also said it's really good for your skin. So if like me or the baby gets like a little rash or something and we hadn't used it for something else, then we can use it for that too. So that's kind of cool. I was really grateful that I'm like able to do that and we haven't had any issues from it. That's right. So we were going to talk real quick about some of the um, books that we've read um, around newborn. Um, I read a book. um, It was a book about being a first time dad and that was pretty helpful. Um, I guess I should have read it earlier on because it basically went into um, these are the symptoms that your wife, you know, or spouse or partner or whatever, you know, will be experiencing, you know, at this week. And this is, you know, how you can you know, help her in that time. And then so it's basically like a week by week basis. Um, but I didn't read it until the very beginning of the second trimester. So all the first trimester stuff was kind of um I had already experienced it, so it just really wasn't, you know, helpful in, in hindsight. But anyway, it was a nice book. Um, well, luckily, I didn't have, like, a ton of first trimester symptoms. It was more so, like, what to expect, but I didn't have, like, the normal morning sickness and other things. So that was good. You didn't have to comfort through that. That's true. I feel like the the major takeaway from that book should be pretty intuitive to most people anyway, but it's pretty much that you know, Hey, your wife is going through a lot of changes, so she's not going to be able to keep up on all the normal responsibilities that she might, you know, take on. And so you should step up and just do more, you know, do more for her, do more around the house. I feel like that's kind of a given, you know, that'd be the same as if your partner were sick too, obviously, you know, you're not just going to leave all the clothes piling up and all the dishes in the sink just because you're your partner normally takes care of that stuff, you know? So I don't know. It was a good read though. Um, I appreciated it. Uh, it was definitely helpful for, you know, little tips for, you know, to write down for the future, like, you know, easy ways to relieve diaper rash and stuff like that. Um, and, and then again, what to expect in the, the later trimester. 
you know, the third trimester that I wasn't at yet when I read it. Um, but anyway, that was nice. Um, and then we read another book. Uh, well, so we read the Bradley method, which is the, the birthing, like a method. birthing method. It's like similar to hypnobirthing or it's compared to that. And it's also been around, uh, I think since like the eighties, but we read the Bradley method because it was recommended by one of Chris's aunts. Actually, I'd never heard of it before that. And that's another thing you can take classes on to do this method during labor and delivery. But we just read the book and um, it's it's pretty cool because it talks about starting from earlier portions of pregnancy. So how like your nutrition and movement really matter for the whole run and not just preparing like breathing techniques for birth. There's so much more to it. And it also has a section in each like portion of labor, like to the coach. So Chris could have like direction on how to help me and like ideas of what to say or things that would be helpful um, during that stage or also like what to look out for to know when we're moving from one stage to another. Yeah, that was really helpful. I mean, really, I feel like the key takeaway of the Bradley method is that it's it incorporates breathing techniques, but it's really about relaxing your body to the fullest extent. And then that full body relaxation can get you through the contraction. That's such a nicer way to say it. And it's so much better. The books always says like sag your belly and all these like weird ways of saying it. I don't know if it's like whether it's old terms or just like what worked for the people that wrote it. Your big bag of muscles. Yeah, like things like that. And I was like, don't use any of that wording. It just sounds like very strange and like foreign to me. So, (laughs) I mean, it says in the book specifically, like use words that work for you. But the ones that they present, like a lot of them just don't work for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So definitely but, modifications there, but it had good concepts overall. And that's what made me really happy. Cause I have like exercises to work on prior to birth <clears throat> and then like methods to use in each stage that will hopefully help me progress smoothly and comfortably as possible. That's right. And then, uh, what other books have we read? So the one we just finished was called like my amazing newborn. Uh, we actually borrowed it from our birth center. They have a little lending library and it's pretty old. Like it's, it is decades old, but, um, I mean, I figured, you know, things newborns do are kind of, you know, steadfast. So even if the baby was born in like the sixties or seventies, a lot of the reactions are going to be the same today as well. Unless today's babies, they they come out of the womb and they're looking for the iPad to watch. Yeah, I sure hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe. But anyway, uh, so we thought it was kind of cool because it just talked about, like, the different senses of newborns and, like, reactions that they have. So, like, uh, it talked about how your baby is aware of what's going on around them, uh, even, like, in the womb. So, like, currently, you know, I talked about how they... Uh, hear certain sounds around us you can tell like by a jump if there's like a sudden loud noise Uh, a lot of babies respond to light ours doesn't um what other reactions to the surrounding um well you know everybody you know has pretty much heard the whole music thing if you play music um while you're pregnant yeah we don't put headphones on my belly that's Nothing in our household. <laughs> yeah. Then, uh, you know, the baby will like kind of know that song and 
you know, could uh, calm have down like a faster. preference to it in the future. Right. That's true. But they, it, it gave a couple of really cool examples of um, how a newborn could pick up on um, certain cues and like really study a person's face and their memory for how young they are is pretty incredible. Oh yeah. Even in the first hours or days of their life, like they show to be like fascinated with the parents face, especially the eyes. And will just like stare at either their parents for like a long period of time, just to like study their face and like, remember that like, that's my mom or dad. And so they had this one study where, um, this guy held up the newborn and he triggered a game with his face and like made faces at the baby and the baby kind of mimicked him. And then they passed the baby around the room and it kind of had no reaction to everybody else because everybody else wasn't trying to stimulate the baby. I and mean, he like stuck out his tongue at the baby. Yeah, that's right. And then the baby mirrored him. And so then they got around the room, they passed the baby off to, you know, half a dozen people. And then they handed the baby back to the original person and the baby stuck their tongue out at the first person as in to try to reinitiate the game because they wanted to play the game again. Yeah, and this baby was like hours old. And it also pointed out how amazing it was that the baby knew to stick their tongue out because they were hours old. They hadn't even seen a mirror. Like, how did they know they were the same, you know, like type of creature as the human adult holding them? Right. So, like, how did they know that, like, the guy sticking his tongue out, like that the baby itself had the same uh, muscle to use. It was just super interesting that it understood at first to stick its tongue out and then also remembered after it saw all these other people and got back to the same guy, like the baby remembered, oh, this is the guy that stuck his tongue out at me. I'm going to do it again. It's amazing how they just innately know that they are the same species as us because if you play the same game with a dog – um, and you have the dog, you know, sitting in front of the infant and the dog's tongue is out. The infant isn't going to stick their tongue out at the dog yeah, just because sure the dog that. is, you know. So that was that was a really cool experiment. Oh, they, they also had another one where they used different like binkies on multiple babies. And some babies got smooth binkies and some babies got like ridgy binkies. It had like little nubs on it. And they stuck it in the infant's mouth. And these infants were like a day or two old. And they, uh, so they stuck the binky in their mouth and like let them suck on it for a given amount of time and then uh, removed it off to the side. So they never actually saw what was in their mouth. They only felt it. And then they showed them pictures of the two different types of binkies, like whether it was smooth or ridgy. And they, it was like they looked longer at the picture of the one they had. So both pictures were in front of them and they would stare at the one that they had just had in their mouth, even though they had never seen it, but they could associate the texture in their mouth to like a visual image, which was also really impressive that they could do that so early. Yeah. Yeah. Infants are are really incredible how quickly they can learn. You know, I, I kind of, like learning through everything about, you know, Chelsea becoming pregnant and, you know, we're going to start a family, we're going to have a baby. And then, so you start learning all these facts and what you need to do and everything. And it's like, wow, we are so helpless 
you know yeah, like physically we're we, pretty weak species we're if you think born about it. and we're like helpless to everything can't feed ourselves we can't do anything for a long time you know and other like species walking. they're born and they're like ready to run with the pack you know in you know an hour or two and so but i guess we really make up with it for with, like, it, the with mental our, part our big brain because we're so incredibly smart it's it's incredible yeah yeah i guess like we do we must make up for it in the mental capacity that we have even at birth and then obviously it just grows to more understanding yeah so yeah it's incredible i think um there's one more takeaway i liked from that book and that was that um they pointed out a natural reaction so if you have an infant and you like squeeze their palms they, oh yeah, it was even if you just like put your fingers in their palms of their hands. They automatically open their mouth. So, you know, some people have used that as a trigger to like help them, you know, latch or like to start breastfeeding. Um, but I just thought that was a really cool trick to know that if you, you know, you just touch their palms and then their little mouth opens. I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's funny in the pictures. So I'll have to try that one out on their first day. Yeah. See how it works. Um, and then one of the other things I thought was interesting, they did the optimal sight range of infants is actually eight to 10 inches. So you don't really think about that because you, you, you know, don't know if something's blurry or not to them, but apparently studies have shown that that's where they see the best. And we think it's because that's about how far their mother's face would be during breastfeeding. So that's kind of what they see. So if you want them to see even like a book or an object in other, you know, like play times uh it said to hold it eight to ten inches from their face so that they can comprehend the best what it is and then over time humans develop focus for like different ranges from there right so that's that's pretty cool to know too yeah and the last book that i've been reading lately is called growing up green by dear Imus. and it's like interesting in that it talks about eliminating toxins from your life and, you know, obviously stopping smoking and drinking and like changing the way you're eating and um, household cleaning products, things like that. Trying to like eliminate as many toxins as you can to eliminate the risk for more diseases or illnesses that you could develop during pregnancy and then give your baby more problems down the line. So it was cool in a lot of aspects that it like recommended things and it's good information about, you know, like why we want to avoid chemicals and then how to do that. Um, but it's definitely like, I think you would call it like very judgmental in that it's like pushing this one style of life and this one style of eating and has like very strong opinions in that way. And like, personally, I think there's like many ways to you know, take up a greener life or whatever you want to call it, like a healthier life in general. But it was like kind of pushy. So it wasn't my favorite book, but I definitely think it's a good idea if you're like starting from kind of like baseline of like standard American living and you just want to like get healthier and eliminate some of the chemicals from your household. Right. Yeah. They, they come across, you know, a lot of key components for, you know, eliminating poisonous surfaces you have to use special floor cleaners stuff like that yeah like everybody says you have to use like certain uh laundry soap for baby clothes things like that so i don't know there's just so many options out there these days and kind of to be careful about the information you take we actually make our own 
um, laundry detergent anyway. So we feel like, you know, our laundry detergent only has like four ingredients and we know what they yeah, are. It's like super simple um, and everything's something you can read and right. Cause we build it ourselves and three of those ingredients are different salts. Yeah. So, um, we feel like that, that soap will probably, you know, be safe enough for an infant. Um, because we know yeah, there's no, know. you know, phthalates or any weird chemicals in it. Yeah. It doesn't have any added fragrance or dyes or, like industrial cleaners like some do but yeah i mean it's definitely you know it's the the good part about that that book you know growing up green is that it it definitely spreads awareness about you know your most of your household chemicals are are not doing you any favors you know in the health department that's for sure so yeah so 37 weeks um little bit of background. We bought a house that was new to us um, in November. So my second trimester. Right. I'm doing May 1st. Of 2019. Um, And so it's now mid-April. And so we had a, we kind of, we definitely challenged ourselves. We we created a very long list. (laughs) As our first house too. We always rented before this. Yeah. Very long list of of upgrades and repairs that we wanted to do before the baby was, was born. And so that was definitely one of my uh, 2020 goals was to have that first wave of, you know, of home improvement finished by May um, since the due date's May 1st. And so we've achieved that goal. Um, so that's yeah, pretty fun. I'm pretty surprisingly, because we quickly added a lot to that list. A lot. When we first uh, signed on the house and got our keys and everything. Yeah. It was like every time we would be here, we'd add a list of new projects because we wanted to paint a room, but it didn't make sense to paint the room without changing these other things that we were going to change anyway. Yeah. And then, you know, it just, it went from like, you know, maybe like five things like new hot water heater, some pump, you know, paint, and then some change a little bit of the flooring. And then it quickly turned into, you know, okay, let's, take down a wall let's build two more walls we're gonna add a bathroom i mean it was we did not add the bathroom yet <laughs> we, we didn't add the bathroom yet we framed it in yeah um, but we got done about 25 other projects yeah. in the meantime yeah tons definitely. of electrical work we did change a lot of lighting in that first yeah, we added recessed lighting throughout half the house we added ceiling fans and you know center room lights throughout the rest of the house and so anyway it it was definitely a big project, but but part of that was building the nursery the way we wanted it, which was I think it was one of the most fun parts about yeah. the home repair. So it's been pretty cool. Talk a little we, bit about uh, the nursery. Yeah, I kind of I knew I wanted something like outdoorsy theme just because we live in the Pacific Northwest and we're really outdoorsy people. So I uh, I've shown it on my Instagram a lot, but the nursery just started out as a yellow room. We took out a baseboard heater to make it safer because we are striving for the Montessori method. And, um, yeah, so it started out just this yellow room. It has, like, normal carpeting. And then we've just added different Montessori aspects and local artwork and all different things to try to just make it cozy. And now it has plants and a teepee. And I think it's become a really fun space and it's definitely like able to grow with our baby, um, you know, with easy changes. We can simply change things here or there to uh, help it grow with their age. So I'm pretty excited 
to see how it all works out and see if our setup is actually good for the, you know, um, the resourceful part, like the part where you have to actually put everything into play. Yeah. And so, um, I got a little bit of, um, a little bit of criticism from my friends because one of the first things I did was I installed a, like a permanent mount baby gate that, you know, has hinges. So you, you just push the lever and then it swings open and you know, they're going, well, you're not going to need that for a really long time. But the funny part about it is, is that it, it becomes a dog gate more than a baby gate yeah, because you don't want the dogs in the baby room, you know, nosing through all their stuff or whatever. You just close a little baby gate and then the dogs are sitting on the other side of the fence sticking their nose through the bars. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. But yeah. No, it'll be good to separate when we need to. And then you can also like leave the open air. So when they're napping, we could put them in there and keep the dogs out of the room, but still be able to like hear them easily without the door closed. Right. So I, I'm glad we put the gate up. It's like a little premature, but I think it's like, well, worthwhile. And then it'll be done before they even start walking. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I think that wraps up our first episode. We, uh, we gave you a little background on our books and everything and how we're preparing and We'll come back with more, definitely, when baby comes into the world. But if not, we'll give you a little update on what else is going on around here while we're preparing for them. But thanks for listening. Thank you.